It's Thursday, August 13th, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Poke Runyon. And tonight we present a discussion on the Samaritans and their position in biblical and historical Palestine in relation to magic and Kabbalah. I'll be joined by our biblical scholar, Frater Solomon, we will mention a remarkable discovery we have made in reviewing the newly translated Samaritan Torah that tends to support our revision of the Tetragrammaton. And we will also discuss the Samaritan Book of Joshua and Wallace Budge's comments indicating that the Samaritans developed Gematria before the Judeans. Also, we'll discuss that famous or infamous Samaritan magician, Simon Magus. Did he really fly? And so, if you want to find out what the cursed Cuthians have been up to, then tune in and we will climb Mount Gerizim. All right. Um, the Samaritans, good and otherwise. In fact, if you Google Samaritans, you're going to come up with, uh, oh, with a bunch of uh, charity groups and one thing or another before you, you get to the real Samaritans. Now, the real Samaritans are over in Palestine and, and centered around Mount Gerizim, and they, there's only about 725 of them left. And, and uh, they are a, uh, they've been there, at least some of them have been there, for 2,500 years, and they claim to have an older version of the Pentateuch, the Torah, uh, than uh, than the Orthodox uh, Jewish people have, and um, then they might possibly be right. Although um, I do want to say this about that: that the earliest uh, Torahs we have, oh, oh, Samaritan and and uh, 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 Masoretic, are no earlier than the Greek Septuagint. There was back in Ptolemy's time. Uh, he, Ptolemy wanted he wanted a, a Torah for for the the uh, Library of Alexandria. <laughs> and it was a large Jewish community course in Alexandria back in those days. And um, they, was, they could only, apparently they only had one manuscript, uh, the original uh, in, in, in archaic Hebrew that they, that they still had. And so he got a committee of rabbis in Alexandria together and uh, they translated that last remaining Torah that they had uh, into Greek. Well, meanwhile, the last remaining Torah they had somehow disappeared or disintegrated or something or other, and all that was left was the Greek translation. So, the way the story goes, there are no Torahs any older than, than Ptolemy's commissioned Greek translation. And they had to do this, so the, the, uh, uh, the Jews all over the world had to come and translate that Greek Torah back into Hebrew. And uh, now that's... Uh, that, that. Uh, Frater Solomon, are you on there? Are you on with us? I, I am here. We've got some exciting stuff to cover tonight. Actually, quite a oh, bit. Oh, good, 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 good. Well, it, uh, now, now uh, you, you heard what I just said about, uh, about the Septuagint uh, version being, uh, there'd be no, there's, no, there's no Hebrew Torah older than the Septuagint translation, right? Uh, that, uh, that would make sense to me because you, you should figure that with, um, with all the archaeological research that has been done in Israel, uh, the Torah probably didn't exist. I'm I'm certain it didn't exist any earlier than Ezra, and, and it probably came to its uh, final culmination at that time, uh, which is why we don't actually have an older version of it. It um, well, so according to what I've sense. yeah, according to what I've heard though, they had one 
that, that all they could find in Alexandria, when Ptolemy wanted a copy for the library, library of Alexandria, they, 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 uh, that, like that huge Jewish community, all they could come up with was one, was one old, uh, old Torah, and, and they all got together and translated that into, that into Greek, and then supposedly that disappeared, and uh, and then so ever since then, uh, if if the Jews anywhere in the world wanted a Torah, they had to go to Alexandria in those days and 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 copy the Greek one back into Hebrew. That's that's the way what the story century, goes. What what century was that? Oh, that that, that uh, couple hundred. Uh, uh, about 200 BC, I think uh, that, that that occurred, uh, somewhere in between 200 BC and and, and the common era. But uh, um, so earlier than that, who knows? Now, of course, yeah, there, yeah, it could have been one down in Ethiopia, you know, because there were there were Jewish communities down there or whatever. We, you know, I I don't know whether this is true or not. But but then most, however, I guess most of the Torahs that survived were were taken out of were taken back out of the Greek. However, um the the um uh, the Samaritans they they been they were never all of them were never taken uh, into captivity. They stayed in in uh in the Holy Land uh ever since Moses brought them over. I mean ever since they crossed the Jordan they've been there uh, at least at least uh, they, 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 most of them have been, and uh, yeah. Now, so they claim that their Torah is is the original, and that in the original Torah it says that the holy mountain is supposed to be not Jerusalem, not Mount Moriah, but Mount uh, Gerizim, and that's for not to be only, the holy mountain. What? Uh, not only that, but something that's really interesting is is the Dead Sea sect. The Dead Sea Essenes, their version of the Torah, actually, um, there's a, a mount of cursing called Mount Ebal and a mount of blessing called Mount Gerizim, and they're both mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy. However, um, something significant, there's uh, the b- book of Deuteronomy talks, there, talks about there being an important cultic center. And according to um, the Samaritan version of Deuteronomy, uh, that's Gerizim, and those verses were taken out. One thing that's really interesting is um, there was supposed to be a holy mountain mentioned in Deuteronomy, and that was changed into Mount Ebal. But in the Dead Sea Torah and in the Samaritan Torah, it's actually Mount Gerizim. So the Mesoretes actually edited out Mount Gerizim as being a a sacred cultic center. And uh, they made the holy mountain uh, equal with the... um, Mount of Cursing, which is Mount Ebal, rather than the Holy Mountain being the Mount of Blessing, which is Mount Gerizim. And yeah. Gerizim is mentioned in Deuteronomy, but um, the Mesoretic scholars make, made sure it was mentioned less and tried to obscure its significance. Um, yeah. And then, and then later, the, the, the Jews tried to say, well, what Deuteronomy was doing was prophesying Jerusalem. Well, it wasn't. Um, if you look at the original version of Deuteronomy, including what the Dead Sea Scriptures uh, have, the Dead Sea Torah have, Gerizim was the sacred site. Jerusalem was superimposed at a later time, and more than likely it was Ezra who tried to make that the uh, the new cultic center. He, he really tried to push that in, in making it a sacred spot. Yeah, now now let's... But, but so people don't get... Uh, we cut through some confusion here. Let's talk about this Cuthian thing, because... Uh, you know the, that 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 the the Cuthians, uh, uh the uh, that has that has caused a lot of confusion. Uh, now the way I understand it, and and I want to get to, let's get the dates right on this. When the Assyrians came in and and uh, and you know and destroyed the first temple and 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 carried off the tribe, they carried off the the tribe of of uh, of uh, Judah and the tribe of Benjamin into captivity, but uh, yeah, I'll have to correct that. It, the Assyrians took some of the they took the Samaritan nobles, like the king's family of the Samaritans at that yeah. time, which was called the Kingdom of Israel. They took the Samaritan nobles out of um, I- Israel, but they did not take 
the entire, there was no way they could round up all 10 tribes. They, they yeah, could only yeah. round up some members of uh, uh, Samaria, which was the capital of the kingdom of Israel. And um, the interesting thing about DNA is it actually totally proves that the Samaritans are exactly who they say they are. They are blood relatives of um, the, the Sephardic Jews, the, the Jews who are native to the Middle yeah. East and uh, yeah. don't have any admixture with them. They have a little bit of Kuthian blood in them, but it's insignificant compared to the overwhelming yeah, well, let, amount. Let, 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 let me stop you. Let me stop you here because uh, they, this Kuthian thing, uh, a lot of our listeners probably don't know this, but Kufa oh, good point. Was, a, was a city was a city in in, in what's now Iraq uh, that uh, it was a city where the where the uh, uh, the people worshipped Nergal, our Canaanite right. moat, the Canaanite version of moat is Nergal, the Lord of the Underworld, uh, and and the Assyrians. Moved uh, the, the, uh, a large number of Cuthians out of Kutha and put them right in the middle of Samaria, and and it was a and, sort of and a. And that is according to Ezra, though. And, and Ezra had a reason to um, mock the Samaritans because he was trying to legitimize his yeah. own um, people, his his own tribe of Judah and Levi. He, he was trying to say, no, 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 what, no, no, we're, we're, we're the real Israelites, and, and those guys aren't Israelites at all, and. You should only listen to us and, and don't listen to them. Uh, yeah, 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 Mike. But 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 but. However, uh, the the DNA uh, and you mentioned this, the 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 Samaritans do have some Kuthian, some Cuthian DNA. So there were some Cuthians moved in there. Uh, yeah, they, they uh, were, but they, they were mixed. What 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 had happened while yeah. while these uh, Samaritans were slaves, um, they had married the Cuthians because they were both slaves together. So they brought back um, that, that Kuthian DNA. And um, Ezekiel, he, he existed a little bit before um, Ezra. He was part of the um, Babylonian exile. That's where the Jews were exiled to. And, and he says something that's really interesting. He says, yeah, the Samaritans, their mother is a Kuthian, but um, you Jews, your mother's an Amorite. Your mother's a Canaanite. So basically he's saying, why, why are you so mad at the Samaritans for having mixed ancestry when you do yourself? I mean, Judah's wife was Tamar the Canaanite. So um, the, the denial uh, that Ezra was trying to get these people to go through is just astounding. Well, you know, uh, it, it, well, we, it, we, more problem, Ezra has created more problems uh, with his policies and and his, uh, especially his racial, racial his prejudicial racial policies, and 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 all of that. And as we discussed before in, in, on the show, uh, Ezra and and Cyrus were were in cahoots. And Cyrus, the king of Persia, uh, he he actually uh, he actually moved moved the Jews back into into uh, uh, from their 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 captive. Uh, uh, their captivity. He moved them back into uh, uh, Jerusalem uh, because he wanted to use them as, as uh, in order to help control uh, Palestine, which was then part of the Persian Empire. So, so he was using them as the same way the Tsar Nicholas, uh, the old Tsar Nicholas, used the Cossacks in Siberia. You know. He, he uh, Aaron Nicholas took the Cossacks over uh, out into Siberia and said, "Okay, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, kick these Mongols out, take the land, and and uh, and uh, and you know, you can you can have your farms, and 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 but you're in the but you're still in the army reserve. So uh, it, it's 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 conquered by 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 uh, using people as using people like that as mercenaries. So actually." Ezra and his and his uh, his Jews were, were Persian mercenaries, and 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 then they proceeded to to try to Judaize all of uh, all of Palestine. You know, they went on a on an evangelical campaign which lasted all the way up to Jesus's time. Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Ezra is you know not one of my favorite people, I and mean, and and I I think he's caused a lot of. Caused a lot of a lot of problems that we still have, 
uh, and and uh, including forcing all the all the Jews to give up their Canaanite uh, wives and and, and right. children and, and you know yeah uh, it's really so disgusting Ezra, yeah uh, he was he he was he was uh, Ezra was politically incorrect to the max you know <laughs> he was really really a piece of work but anyway um, um, so let's. Before we get any further, we said we were going to mention the remarkable discovery that uh, we made in reviewing a newly translated Samaritan Torah. By the way, uh, you loaned it to me, and I got it sitting here. The uh, the um, um, it just got published. The Israelite Samaritan version of the Torah, and it's translated by Benjamin uh, uh, Tazdaka. And he's a Samaritan, Samaritan rabbi. Uh, and this is uh, beautiful because he's got the, the comparison. He has the, um, uh, the the Torah, the Samaritan Torah on one side, and the Masoretic text uh, on uh, on the facing page. So you can compare the two directly, line for line. And the thing, of course, that really floored both of us when we looked at this, especially getting into Genesis all the way from Genesis through Exodus and all that. God, God, or God, as the fundamental Christians like to say, uh, is is uh, is the Jews say Adonai, and the right. Samaritans the Samaritans say Shema, and and as you recall, we we uh, changed our twenty two letter tetragrammaton to Shemat. Uh, and, right. and which is very, very close to Shema. It's just Shema with a with a with a uh, with a Saturnian tau on the end of it. Yeah, and and uh, it's kind of finalizing the whole thing. And uh, and uh, the 22 letter version, uh, 24 letter version of that is a Masha'o, But uh, that's that's you know. But essentially, we started with Shema, and uh, and uh, we we thought years and years ago, and the reason why we did that. Uh, was because uh, I think it's about 30 years ago at Montsobat, we had a whole bunch of Sephardic Jews visit us for a seasonal, and everything was going fine. We were having a grand time with these people, and then we went out to the hinge to 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 do the seasonal and to open up, and and the deacon came out to do a pentagram ritual, and as soon as he as he vibrated yod hey wow hey in the pentagram ritual, all of our Sephardic guests of our Hasidim, they all formed ranks and marched out in column, right out of the yard and, and out to their cars and drove away, and that was the last we ever heard from them. And I got to thinking, you know, and after that, and I did a lot of thinking after that, and I thought, wait a minute here now, now, the Golden Dawn uses YHVH, you know, and, 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 uh, and all that, and even even uh, you know that. Uh, why why can't we do that? And the Christian Bible uses Yahweh and we and Jehovah. And why? So what what what's the problem here? And I realized that that from a from an Orthodox Jewish perspective, that's their God, and their and 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 it's their God is nobody else's, and and they really resent uh, us using that that name and. And they don't uh, they don't do YHVH, uh, they always do Adon, which I suppose if we just said Adonai instead of going Yodei Wahei, we probably would have been okay with them. That might have been, I don't know. But I, I, this experience got me to thinking about about finding a better, uh, a more a more proprietary a tetragrammaton we could call our own. And so with that, I took the three mother letters, which are more creative according to the Sefer Yetzirah. Uh, they are the creative letters, you know, in the cube of space, whatever. And we made a, we made our tetragrammaton Shema Ata, and uh, that means uh, a left mem machine and and tau completing it in in the center of the cube. Uh, and, and and that's uh, a very old uh, that that tetragrammaton goes back to uh, at least um, uh, uh, at least 1350 BC, which is. Some recently some discovered uh, text of the, that the Egyptians had. Um, they they had six groups of uh, tribes they called the Shasu, 
which were probably descendants of the Hyksos. Um, they have the Shasu of Shema Ata, uh, same spelling. Uh, they have the Shema, they, they have the Shasu of Yahu, which is uh, the, the Jewish um, Shasu. Then they have the Shasu of Seir, that that's an Edomite god. Then the Shasu of uh, Laban, which is a Lebanese um, root name for Lebanon. And then um, you, you talked about. Um, your version of the name El as Ul, well, they had a version of a, they had a Shasu of Ul Bal and uh, another Shasu of Piasepas. So um, Shema Ata, uh, as a, a name for God, or at least one of these early tribes, they, their God uh, more than likely, they were either called Shemot or their God was called Shemot. So it, it's a very, very old tetragrammaton, which confirms. Um, which cons- confirms your inspiration in that direction. Well, I mean, that that of course uh, you know warms the heart of my cockles, but uh, uh, and and because because you know, but however, I notice all through uh, it, it, wherever wherever the Masoretic text says Adon Adonai, the the over you go over on the on the Samaritan side and it's Shema. Shema. And, and yeah. Now now a couple more things about this. Uh, you know the you know the Hebrew word for the for son is 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 shamash, and is it, and 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 the Canaanite sun goddess was Shapshish, and uh, Shin of course is the is the letter for fire, and uh, so what we have here is is not just not just a very very ancient uh, tetragrammaton, but what we also have here is the beginning of of the of solarization and and uh and this might very well be me of an egyptian origin and because you know it it's uh the the egyptians were solarized before uh before the semites were uh you know they they the semites uh, didn't didn't like the sun because they were desert people essentially and and the sun was the enemy and uh so uh so uh you know they were they were they were saturnian and lunar oriented more than they were solar oriented and yet the egyptians were solar oriented from uh, way back way back early and then the greeks of course eventually became they were solar oriented and uh, so they returned when when alexander took over the whole the palestine and whatever of course the samaritans hated alexander but but uh but still they they fully you know fully solarized at that point, and we also you know Hercules was a solar uh, entity and he was Melkart, and and, uh, and and that was the he was the god of Tyre so he was certainly solar, and so this may also be the beginning of of uh, you know the beginning of Tipperath as the as the center of the tree of life and the beginning of. Uh, of of uh, we may be seeing with the Shemot, we may be seeing the beginning of solarization and the and Shemot. And yet, I have to say this because because sure enough, somebody listening to this show who knows as much about this as we do is going to say, "Yeah, you guys, but what about what they actually write in in the? Well, how do they actually write God in that in that uh, um, uh, Samaritan Torah?" They write it Y H B H, and and so uh, why do they do that? If they call it Shema, why do they write it Yahweh? Well, that's a good question, and it deserves a good answer. And the answer probably is, I would think, is that Ezra made them do it. <laughs> the Ezra had Ezra had so much influence on them. And, and obviously, uh, and also, uh, Wallace Budge tends to confirm this in his very interesting chapter in Amulets and Talismans, Wallace Budge's Amulets and Talismans on Samaritan Amulets. Uh, and all of their, their tetragrammatons and their amulets, all YHVH. And uh, so they really did use it, gematria-wise, and 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 all they they used it, but they but they called it Shema. Shema to them was was cognate with the Hebrew Adon, uh, 
Yeah, and so we have to we have to own up to that because even though Shema is the way they said it, uh, that's not the way they wrote it. And I think that's the influence of I, I think personally it's the influence of Ezra. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think they did it in reaction. Um, Ezra was the one who started the tradition of saying, let's call God Adonai. Um, the, the Jehovah of uh, the preceding centuries, the oldest uh, text we have, it um, it goes to 840 BC where, where he was, uh, where the God of Israel was called uh, Jehovah, YHVH, um, older Yahoo. But uh, Ezra was trying to create his own version of God. So all the Jews, whenever they refer to, to God, they call him Adonai. Whenever, um, but uh, that was probably due to some Aton influence um, from a Kenaton. Uh, there's actually a psalm that quotes uh, a whole uh, a whole uh, hymn of praise to a Kenaton, but they just changed the name from Aton to Jehovah. It's the same. Uh, it's the same praise hymn, though. So um, the, the influence of Atonism on uh, on uh, Ezra's Judaism is pretty clear. Um, so they had to do something to say, well, what's our name for God going to be? And um, they were already calling God Shema. They wouldn't they wouldn't just put some arbitrary name. They would put a name that they were already using to call God, and their name was Shema. And yeah. they wanted to say, you know, you're calling him Adonai, but that's not really God's name. That's Ezra's God. So we're going to call him what we've always been calling them, and one of the names that we've been using is Shema, and that's the name we're going to keep using. Yep. And that matches, um, you know, thirteen hundred, you know, thirteen hundred BC um, Shemot as a, a, an ancient name going that far back um, in that region. Um, that shows that the name Shema is, is a very, very ancient origin, Shema or Shema Apa. Yeah. Let's. Let's get a little bit technical here and mention something. Uh, we have had this also uh, applies to uh, that recent review we did on Stephen Skinner's uh, book, The uh, Solomonic Magic, where he was, uh, Skinner was uh, trying to say that, that Solomon's, uh, the Solomon's hydrology was, was, actually, uh, was actually dating from classical times. Uh, and yet, at the same time, as I pointed out, he says that, however, the earliest manuscripts we have don't date any earlier than 1500 uh, and for, for Solomon's hydrology. So uh, the same thing applies here to the, to the, to the Torah, to the, uh, uh, to the Samaritan Torah. Uh, we, can't, we don't have, have any copy of the Samaritan Torah uh, and that is any and that is any older than than about 1200 and something. Uh, so and that that 1200 AD AD not BC. And yet uh, uh, people are saying that well yeah this is 2500 this is 2500 BC. Uh, I don't think so for this reason. The idea of uh, taking manuscripts like in the case in in like Solomon's hydrology, which eventually became the key of Solomon, uh, and and this also applies to the uh, to the uh, Samaritan uh, Torah, is this: uh, if you have in the back in the old days, they didn't have Xerox machines, copy machines, or anything like that. They didn't even have photostats, so consequently, if you wanted to, if you wanted to preserve a manuscript, an old manuscript, the thing's falling apart, you know. And you look at it and you say, "Oh my gosh, if we don't, if we don't, uh, if we don't uh, do something, this this thing is going to be going to completely disintegrate." So, what do you do? You take it to a scriptorium, a uh, monastery scriptorium, or public scriptorium, or whatever. You take it to a scriptorium and you. And you give them whatever they they need to make a copy of it, you know how many how many uh, uh, how many sheep or goats or whatever or or shekels or whatever you need to pay them to uh, to, to get to get you a good copy. So they have uh, on vellum or on papyrus or on uh, parchment or whatever it is that they they're going to copy it for you. And so the old monk gets up there with his inkwell and his quill pen and his uh, and, and and your old manuscript or scroll and and his his new parchment or papyrus or whatever and he goes to work. 
Well, uh, yeah, and you tell him, you tell him. Now, I want an exact copy because this, you know, we're, we're preserving this and don't, don't uh, change not one jot or tittle as, as you know, who used to say. And uh, so here are the, but probably is that scribes, that scribes, they'll copy it, but they're going to copy it in the language that they understand. And, uh, you know, you want to copy the Hebrew, okay, he's a Hebrew scribe, he knows Hebrew, but, but the Hebrew he knows is uh, is more recent than the Hebrew of that manuscript, and the punctuation and and all is going to be his, what he knows, and, and that's how he's going to do it. So consequently, so he gives you your copy, and you've got it, and you walk out with it, and, and then uh, 2,000 years later, some... Some guy, uh, you know, who has a computer and looks at this thing, and he's and, and he says, "Uh oh, this isn't any earlier than 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 when you cop when you had it copied because he is judging by the the way it was copied by the 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 punctuation and the and and the letter forms and everything of the scribe who copied it, and this unfortunately has." Has been a problem with all of these recopied old manuscripts. You can't. You just don't know how old. The, you cannot tell from them how old the original is. It's just it's, it's strictly guesswork. And and uh, you can you can kind of get a yeah you can get a general idea by content analysis. Maybe you can say oh well it looks like it was much much older. But you really can't tell. You can't. So. Uh, um, this is a constant, uh, a constant problem with this, and this is why, uh, like I say, why I, I took uh, Stephen Skinner to task on his uh, on his uh, techniques of Solomonic magic, trying to claim that that the Solomon's hydrology was was classical rather than uh, rather than uh, medieval. Uh, what do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, we're not going to all the originals of of the uh, Bible that we would like to have. We just don't have them anymore. They they're, they probably decayed somewhere. So we've had the scribes uh, putting them together. Um, there's actually good evidence that uh, the Torah, as we know it, the five books of Moses, uh, the writing styles. You have uh, at least um, at least three different writing styles in there. Deuteronomy has its own writing style, its own author, and then the other four books of Moses. Uh, you have two authors. You have the the Yahwist who always they use use the name Yahweh for God and then you have the Elohist who always use the name Elohim for God. And uh you have actually different stories. They're told in a little different way. And you can see them fused together as as though some author uh, whose writing style is similar to Ezra, he's trying to piece them together and people have phrases that Ezra typically used throughout the Pentateuch. He is um John Friedman um he calls him the redactor, and he says the redactor, the guy who weaved this all together, uh, who has his own writing style where there's snippets of trying to join things together, he writes exactly as Ezra did. So that would be our um, that would be our culprit for the guy who who put the tour together pretty much in its current form. Yep. Yeah. So we we really just we really uh, when when it comes to how to recopied to recopied manuscripts. Uh, you're really you're you're kind of uh, it, it's 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 guesswork, and uh, and uh, and of course it doesn't uh, carbon dating and 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 uh, doesn't do you much good. Now this does not apply, however, to uh, to clay tablets. Uh, they, you know, there are our clay tablets from Mesopotamia, uh, and 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 whatever whatever hieroglyphics are painted. Are painted or or, or carved and down in Egypt uh, or incised on stone or whatever. They those you can yeah you can pretty well date those unless but then they got a lot of times as Herschel Shanks has has found out you know to to his chagrin sometimes uh, what you buy from a collector that uh, in an ossuary box or whatever does a lot of times it it, it it's fake and there's a tremendous a tremendous uh, business in 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 fake artifacts in the Middle East, you know, <laughs> a lot of, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of those. And and now, let's uh, let's mention uh, the 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 most uh, the most famous or infamous uh, Samaritan of all, Simon Magus. One of our one of our good friends, Simon Magus. Yeah, Simon Magus. Now, uh, 
For those of you who are not familiar with Simon Magus, he was a contemporary of Jesus, probably probably a student of uh, and uh, a student of John the Baptist, just like Jesus was, and um, uh, and also interestingly enough with Simon. Uh, that there's a lot of parallels. In fact, somebody even wrote a book uh, uh, claiming that claiming that uh, Simon was actually Jesus. And uh, you know, there, there's so, so so many similarities between the two that that uh, I can see what what his point might be. Simon uh, Simon needed a priestess, and uh, so he went to a uh, to a according to what. Um, Says he went to a brothel in Tyre and um, and got a um, got a lady of the night out of the, out of the brothel and called her Helena uh, after Helen of Troy and and claimed that she was the fallen thought of God in other words the son of Sophia and then um, she proceeded to uh, or he proceeded to use her. And in his in his ceremonies and and, and uh, whatever, uh, and uh, he was Simon was a magician who who uh, was not averse to prestidigitation and if he, if it served his purpose one thing or another, uh, and he kind of inspired uh, Marcus later on to to I'm sure to do some things. Now Jesus at the same at the same time. Uh, Jesus uh, takes up with Mary Magdalene, who some people uh, still think was was a lady of ill repute. I don't think she was, but but that, that, that that's you know uh, Magdalene. Uh, the, the term Magdalene actually got <laughs> it ended up being used for uh, a euphemism for uh, for uh, for harlot or whatever. But uh, the similarity, but yeah, you know, with Jesus. Jesus uh, uh, taken up with Mary Magdalene and and uh, and Simon with Helena um, is 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 pretty pretty significant. Now Simon, uh, one of uh, Simon at a certain point, uh, Simon got very disillusioned and and uh, and uh, he hadn't performed any miracles in a while, and one thing or another. And he decided, and I believe this was in Rome that he did this, he decided he was going to demonstrate that he could fly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and of course, the way the story goes, he, he, uh, he, got him, he got himself on top of a tower, and he sat on top of this, this tower, and, and uh, actually it wasn't a tower, it was a great big, like a, like a big pole, you know. And, and he was up on top of the pole, and uh, and he said he was going to and he was going to fly down from the pole. He said, and Peter got a mob together of uh, and 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 they uh, and well, what they did was they they shook the pole. And I'll, I'll explain it in a minute. But anyway, uh, but the, the the gist of it is that yeah, Simon Simon flew, but he but he hit the ground hard enough. Anyway, he he. he it wasn't the only thing he could walk away from. Let's put it that way. And and uh, uh, now, what what's behind all this? The real story on this is this: uh, Simon was doing something that in that time was was kind of popular for for uh, prophets to do uh, or mystics to do. He was they they called themselves stylites. And what they would do is they would erect a great big tall pole, like a big tall telephone pole or something like that, a big, uh, you know, big oh, like the mast of a ship. And on top of that, they would build it on, on the top of that pole, they would have a crow's nest, you know. And then they'd have a bunch of uh, hand holes or spikes, you know, so you could climb the pole like a telephone pole, you know, to the top. And what they would do is they would sit up on this little crow's nest up at the top of the pole, and they'd look at the sun, and of course that, you know, you do that long enough and you're going to go blind. But but uh, they'd sit up there in, the, in this hot sun, uh, virtually naked, maybe just a loincloth. And, and then they'd wait up there until they, they either received enlightenment or, or they flew or something or other. They'd, they'd stay there. And some of them used to stay on these up on the top of these poles for, for, for days and days and days. 
and and this was uh, this was uh, Simon wasn't the only one to do this. I mean, there's a number of people did this, and that's what. But here's what: if you if you are down, you know, if you're down there below or surrounding uh, the pole of a stylite, and you're staring up at him, and it's a bright sunlit day, and you're staring up at the at the at the optical phenomenon. And we know this from zero light experiments. The optical phenomenon, uh, it, it'll appear like this guy is is actually flying up off the pole. Yeah, you you stare at him long enough, and and and, and it looks like that. And uh, and the stylites, I guess, at some point they realized that 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 would happen. And so you know, uh, if you think he's flying, then of course naturally, eventually, when he comes down off the pole, he'll say, "Yeah, okay, I flew. You saw me fly." And uh, yeah, but it's but it's a, it's an optical phenomenon. Um, so Simon's sitting up there, uh, and his uh, you know with the, with the crowd looking up at him, and probably probably they they were starting to think that he actually was lifting off the top of the crow's nest. And that's when Peter and and his mob, you know, they 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 uh, no, he's not really flying. He's uh, so you know, no, 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 we'll show you. And they knocked the pole down, or they shook the pole until until Simon fell off. And that's what really happened. And uh, so Peter, you know, kind of responsible for murdering Simon. Um, that's kind of a shame, but but you know, because uh, it it uh, yeah, boy. Anyway, I, I have did you some uh, thoughts on that? Um, that that's a, a later legend that I think was done more to discredit Simon. Um, it, it doesn't ma- match. Uh, it doesn't quite match where it was left off with uh, in the uh, in the book of Acts. Um, Simon, uh, my guess is that he was a, a follower of John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist died, he had a, there was an, his own sect left behind. They still exist today. There's only a couple hundred of them left, called the Mandians. And they thought uh, Jesus was a, a faker, and, and uh, uh, John the Baptist, um, you know, was preaching a different religion. And that was probably, Simon was affiliated with them. But then um, Philip starts preaching, and he says, you know what, uh, you know what, um, I, I, think this is, uh, I, I think this is right. And, you know, um, the Gospel of Philip uh, really follows uh uh, the the Gnostic tradition attributed to Simon Nagus. And uh, this, this is one of the stories that's made up, uh, sometimes these kind of stories are made up after the fact in order to discredit someone. But uh, when Simon hears uh, the apostles preaching, he says, you know what, I agree with this message. And they said, you know, Peter says, you know, you don't, you don't, you're trying to buy um, these gifts from us. And he, Simon says, okay, I'm sorry about that. And um, I'll just pray that the Lord forgives me. And, um, that I can uh, get everything right. So um, there's a possibility that that legend, um, you know, he might have uh, given this image of flying, and uh, we know he was a a little bit deceptive, and it's the type of thing he would do, but um, the legend of of Peter um, killing Simon, um, it doesn't doesn't appear in the Book of Acts. Um, Josephus doesn't mention it. Um, I I don't think even Justin might... Martyr or Arrhenius uh, mention it, but uh, these type of legends popped up in the Middle Ages, um, sort of as a way to discredit Simon because um, he, he's the one who continued the Gnostic tradition when uh, the, the Christians were trying to get rid of the the whole awesomeness of, of uh, Gnosticism. I'm not saying that uh, Simon was the founder of Gnosticism. I think Jesus was the founder of Gnosticism, but um, it, it, I do think that he converted to it and. Uh, he had his own version of Gnosticism that persisted uh, through a group called the Simonians, and they don't have well, that record of his death. Well, Simon, Simon didn't did it one time, according to actually did at one time try to join the the Christian community and and uh, was refused. Uh, in fact, he uh, supposedly wanted to pay, he wanted to buy his way in, and they refused right. him. Yeah, uh, and and uh, well, you know, I can understand that because he was actually a competitor. He was a competitor of Jesus, and so they certainly, you know, can understand what they would. Uh, however, the, what I said about the stylites was correct. There's people who a lot of they 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 did do this. They did do oh, this I'm on sure top of the poles. Uh, that has to be, yeah, that has to be based in reality. That has to be something that yeah. he did because um, 
he was someone who's trying to pronounce, you know, promote himself as someone with all these powers. Yeah. And we know and, he was a little and, bit shady yeah. about it, too, based on Acts. And, well, you know, we know that, that he wasn't the only one that did this. There, that, that was a whole... There was a whole bunch of them. They, that wasn't the only thing they did. The, 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 there were other crazy things they did. They, the Gnostics, some of the extreme Gnostics were, were just like Indian fakirs. They did all kinds of very uh, strange stuff, especially down in the desert or in Egypt. I mean, they, they went out and they, 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 they did, uh, you know. That's where a lot of these stylites, they had, they had uh, you know, uh, these stylites, they'd have a whole bunch of uh, uh pictures of, of uh, you know, in fact, you even see, I think Hieronymus Bosch, in some of his, uh, in some of his surrealistic paintings, he has these stylite towers sticking up with the crow's nest on the top of them, if you, if you look closely. Uh, and, uh, oh, and I know, Al, cool. yeah, Albert, uh, Albrecht Gruer, Gruer did an engraving of Peter, uh, of Peter uh, knocking Simon off the pole. Uh, and, 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 you know, that, that's a, uh, one of the, Albe, uh, one of the Albrecht Gruer, uh, things. Um, and anyway, so Simon is probably the, the most famous, the, the most famous or, or influence of the Samaritans. I, I personally, um, um, uh, personally, I'm very fond of Simon Magus. I think some of his, his, uh, ideas were, were, uh, really, really, uh, um, very, really excellent. He had some. Uh, he had a, a, analogies. By the way, he had analogies of the of the of the rivers, uh, the biblical rivers, the four you know the four uh, rivers of Edom, or, and, uh, that right. were supposed to be according to Simon. They were supposed to be inside a woman, the inside a woman's womb. Uh, those those rivers, and, and uh, he had a whole. Uh, a whole anatomy, a, a, a sort of a, a, a theological anatomy that he came up with uh, that is that is really fascinating. Um, and, uh, you know, anyway, um, uh, we're getting down, down to the wire here. Is there anything else that you would uh, like to mention about the Samaritans or Simon or something before we, before we wrap it up? Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't get to touch on Mary, and I studied... Um... Her father was uh, her father's name was Joachim, and he was a priest, according to the Gospel of the Birth of Mary. Um, now uh, there was a Samaritan high priest in, in Mary's day, and his name was Joachim. And the interesting thing is the story about this Joachim. He goes to a priest whose name is, um, and I'm assuming this was the priest who came right before uh, the Samaritan high priest Joachim. His name is not uh, Simon, uh, son of Boethus, who was the Jewish high priest. He goes to another high priest, um, who was high priest before he was, named Issachar. Um, now, whether this name was made up or not, uh, Issachar was who the Jews said the uh, Samaritans were descended from. Um, I'm not sure, but um, I think we could um, pretty confidently say that Mary was actually the son of a Samaritan high priest, and... Um, her husband, um, one thing I, you know, we, we talked about Joseph being a family name of, of the Herodians uh, in some of our conversations. I found out Herod the Great did have a brother named Joseph. Uh, of course, we know he was the father of Antipater, but Antipater died 4 BC, which means that if Antipater was really the uh, father of Jesus, uh, he would have had to, Mary would have had to marry someone else within the clan. Uh, and, and I'm guessing that uh, she married maybe uh, Joseph, the son of Joseph, uh, or or uh, Herod just had another son or a close relative named Joseph, because we know that they uh, passed family names on um, uh, to the next generation. Um, so um, also, um, Joachim's father-in-law was uh, named Mathan, uh, which is an Aramaic variation of who the preceding high priest was, uh, according to the Samaritans, who was... Nathaniel. Um, so I, 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 my theory is, um, yeah, Joseph was a Davidite, but he was a Davidite um, that had married into the Edomite clan, and uh, we know the Davidites were um, not respected in in, um, in Jesus's time because the Maccabees, uh, who were Levites, were trying to oust him, and they were trying to pretty much rule um, the Jews at that time. 
So uh, they didn't want the Davidites to uh, have any authority. But according to uh, the Herodian scribe Nicholas, um, Potters, yeah, they had married into Edomites for generations, but they uh, actually descended on, on, on their father's 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 line from David himself. So, um, you know, I, I, I think we're on to something really exciting where the Samaritans could be a, an incredibly important component. Um, both Samaritans and Edomites could be an incredibly uh, important component to uh, Jesus' ancestry. Yeah, and and uh, definitely definitely a connection uh, in, into the into the uh, the whole uh, the whole Jesus genealogy, and 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 uh, and that seems to be indicated too in uh, in Jesus and the Good Samaritan parable. He's he's trying to uh, he, they're trying to rehabilitate the Samaritans with that, and uh, and and because you know to, to kind of justify. To justify the family connection, and uh, which of course is, uh, uh, well, you know, it, it kind of kind of goes along with uh, the people that want to think that 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 Jesus and Simon Magus might have been the same, you know, might have been the same uh, person. But I don't think, I don't, I don't buy that. I I, I think Simon Simon Magus was definitely a separate, uh, and one of the reasons for that is, as I read uh, as much as we know about Simon's philosophy. And it it's just not the same as as, as what we know about Jesus. Uh, Jesus no, with his own so, spin. Yeah, but uh, it's his own. It's definitely Simon's own spin. And and uh, and so anyway, that's about all the time we have. And uh, next week we'll um, we will uh, next week we will dig deeper and deeper into this uh, into this. Uh, a business of uh, Jesus's genealogy and whatever, and uh, um, and uh, you know, we'll, well, which is something we're working on right now for the second volume of the yoga book, and uh, and so until then, uh, uh, don't anybody try get us sitting on top of a pole, you know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't, especially if you're going to do that, don't look at the sun. <laughs> don't stare at the sun. Okay. And and uh, and uh, thanks a lot, uh, Frater Solomon. And uh, well, mm-hmm. and, and and thank you for the loan of the of the books of the of the of the, uh, the, the Samaritan uh, Torah and whatever. And uh, and we'll see everybody next week, and and uh, we'll uh, we'll do it again. Until then, good magic. Good magic. <laughs>